This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's a late night edition of the Illini Enquirer podcast with a two commitment day from Illinois football, trying to end the class of 2023 with a bang heading into the early signing period. And of course, we had the transfer portal happening. Colin Dixon, three-star wide receiver added to the class. Also an offensive lineman transfer from East Carolina University in Avery Jones. We will talk about those two new commitments. It's Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner with you, uh, both on offense, one longer term, one very short term. We'll discuss the quarterback question. We'll talk about other transfer needs. We'll talk about draft decisions here coming up. Got a lot to get to, but uh, Joey, before that, I just want to say our thoughts are are with Mike Leach, his family, the Mississippi State community. Uh, Obviously, tragedy has uh, struck there and We've read all the same reports uh, most people listening to this podcast have, and it certainly sounds dire. Um, there'll be a day we can talk about what that means for the bowl game and, and all of that, but uh, today's not that day. We don't have answers about any of those things, so any of your speculation about that, I, I don't know. Um, so, but I just want to extend our thoughts to everyone affected by a terrible health situation for one of college football's most original voices, certainly, unique personality, um, and certainly Joey, a damn good coach. Yeah, I, it came out as a surprise. It started really picking up steam yesterday, Jeremy, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really, really, it's dire there. And, and it's been, I don't want to say nice or refreshing, but I, I have enjoyed the, the clips of Mike Leach that have found their way onto my Twitter timeline because he is a fun personality and like you get a good laugh at going back and seeing some of those. And you just need voices like that in college football, right? And he was a fun voice or is a fun voice in college football. And it's, it's a, that's tough, man. It, yes, extend our thoughts over there because that's, that's a really tough situation. Yeah. So uh, there's no good transition here. Uh, so let's get into the two new Illini commits here, Joey. Colin Dixon, let's start with the prep guy. Uh, three-star Ohio wide receiver committed to Wisconsin in June over Illinois. But as we're seeing late in this process, due to some coaching changes, due to other things, uh, Illinois got a second chance here, and they made the most of it. George McDonald had a really good relationship with him, uh, but Dixon adds a really good talent. I, I'll, I'll say it here: I think he's one of the best wide receivers this staff has gotten so far. Six foot two, two hundred five pounds, shows good speed on film. Don't know if it's like four five and under speed but certainly good speed he can take the top off of defense every once in a while um and he's just a good overall skill set kind of compare him to sean miller a little bit i uh, just insanely productive 
during high school. You'd rather see that than not. It doesn't always mean the most, but it is great to see that last three years of varsity football for him, dating back to his sophomore year, 201 receptions for 3,561 yards and 43 touchdowns. Each of his upperclassmen years of high school, 1,400-plus yards, 18-plus touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. Thoughts, Joey? Those are ridiculous numbers. <laughs> Those are – I'm pulling up the IHSA records now just to, like, put in comparison with the all-time receiving uh, – just say receiving yardage here for a career – uh, 4,500 by Jordan Westerkamp from Montini from 2008 to 11. That's the all-time. Uh, Justin Wright, I covered him at Taylorville, 3,817. I mean, so just a, that's just like a perspective thing that, I mean, the, the number 20 in the state all-time is 2,863 by Dannon Young from Greenville. So just for reference, that's like a top 20 all-time wide receiver career in the state of Illinois as far back as these IHSA records go on their website. So yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, like he's and, and you watch the film, he is fast, but he's tall and he's long and he's like kind of what you've seen Illinois lack uh, a little bit here in this wide receiver room, which has been completely redone. And I know we'll get to that, Jeremy. But this is like the uh, welcome to the second chances portion of the class of 2023, and and Colin Dixon is is certainly. Uh, part of that, I, I would assume Illinois hopes he's not the last and final part of that. Yeah. Uh, but he, at, to, as of right now, he's uh, it's not, is it the first? I'm trying to remember if there's another, another before him, but he, he's in the early stages of the come back around and, and keep those relationships going, uh, recruitment. Yeah, uh, this is a big get. Um, in Illinois, I think this is a big get, and I do too. He was one of my favorite targets of theirs early on in this class, and I just think George McDonald is doing a fantastic job here, Joey, of rebuilding a wide receiver room that, let's just be frank, this was a huge weakness that Brett Bielema uh, inherited. And first game of the Brett Bielema era against Nebraska, a win, they started Isaiah Williams at wide receiver, who's playing his first game at at that position, uh, a full full game. Yeah, full game at that position, played the Red Box Bowl a couple years ago. Um, Donnie Navarro who went to Northwestern, and I think Illinois showed they upgraded. I love Donnie, but, like, obviously they needed to upgrade that position. Also, Casey Washington in his second real year of playing a lot, and then Kamari Thompson, who has been on the roster this year but barely played, right? So the way they developed Brian Hightower this year, the way Pat Bryan is developing, the way Isaiah Williams is developing, George McDonald's a good coach, right? And Casey Washington, I think it shows. He's the fourth wide receiver on this team this year. He's a good Big Ten player, but it's showing how that room is getting better. But then the last two recruiting classes, without really much to sell, right, Uh, in terms of being able to pass the ball. Last year, they get Hank Beatty, Ian Pugh, two really good in-state prospects. Sean Miller was one of the best gets last year, and he probably would have played a decent amount of snaps if he didn't get hurt twice uh, this past year. Ashton Hollins, we'll see how he develops, but certainly a guy with length and speed. And now in this class, Colin Dixon, you're in the mix for Malik Elsie. Is Kanari Wilcher going to play wide receiver? I'd be almost surprised at this point if Terraman Lott is, is part of your, your class. He just took an official to Florida International and, and has one scheduled to Rutgers. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to put my crystal ball on that because I don't think it's going to end up with Illinois. He said his recruitment's 100% open. But you had Dixon, 
Wiltshire, who had 1,500-plus yards. They recruited him as a defensive back, but we thought he's a better wide receiver prospect. Seems like that might be the case. Uh, and then if you could add Elsie to it. But even if it's just Dixon and Wiltshire adding to the class last year, Joey, George is doing a really good job here. He is, and not only in the talent acquisition, which you you laid out, but I think the the pitch that Brett Bielema has, that George McDonald has, is look at what Brian Hightower did this year. And look, it wasn't an All-American season. It wasn't an All-Big Ten season, but like you saw development from him, and you see it with Pat Bryant. Like He is a guy that – he's a pretty exciting player on this roster, and, and George McDonald helped take him up to another level there. So it's – you combine that, Jeremy, with the talent – that is starting to come in there and and it is like the recruitment we can break down some of the high school kids a little bit because there's like two different tiers it's like the kind of ready-made hank Beatty, sean miller uh, i think you could put if they were to land malik elzy would be in that conversation i think colin dixon is a guy who the further you get from the, the snap you, you probably have a better chance to play immediately then you have some of the longer term guys the ian hugh the ashton holland or ian Pugh, excuse me who need to add strength and like so you kind of have a mix there and and the timeline does line up with just the eligibility of some of the guys they have in their starting lineup right now it's really remarkable jeremy because i remember spring ball the this coaching staff's first spring ball and you and i we, we recorded our spring podcast and it's like oh man this is it was tough sledding it really was and they, there's still, you know, it's a lot to prove in that room, but the talent, like the floor, the talent floor is coming up quite a bit. Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago that we thought Jafar Armstrong had to be a starter on this team, right? And he didn't even goodness, yeah. end up making an impact there. So, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want the comps, right, for a guy like Dixon, he's not the biggest. Like, what is impressive about Malik Elzey is he is six three, two hundred plus pounds. But if you watch him, he is very physical. Uh, shout out to the guy Matt Spiegel up at six seventy to score for Guagi guy. Um, he goes up and get it. Like that's what Malik Elzey is. He's got vertical explosiveness, fantastic hands. Not the fastest guy. Uh, I think he's kind of a Malik Turner slash um, maybe Josh Matt or Baby. I think he's a little bit better of a quick twitch guy. Like, but Matt or Baby is explosive vertically, big physical. Uh, I think that's what kind of Malik Elzey would be. Colin Dixon's more like a Sean Miller, maybe more like a Ricky Smalling. I, I threw that at somebody the other day, and they said probably a little bit quick twitcher, uh, twitchier than than a Ricky Smalling, but Smalling was a very good player, could get the deep ball. Dixon is that caliber player, and they need more of those. We've talked about that. They need more guys who can get separation, stretch the field. I think Dixon can be a part of that, but I also think he's got some versatility like Sean Miller and that he's a good route runner, um, and he can potentially take a screen pass and make a defender miss. Like I, I think he's capable uh, of doing some of that stuff. So he's not an elite, like a one elite trait guy, but he's just kind of good at everything. That's how I felt about Sean Miller. So uh, I think he's a little bit longer, a little bit taller than Sean Miller, but I, I think both those guys are very high floor guys. Yeah, you're starting to see them fill some of those needs. Um, they, they need, like you said, they need a guy to get separation. They need more than one guy, Jeremy, to get separation. That was, uh, from our perspective, an issue with this team this year. So, yeah, you start to address, like, you address positional needs. I think that's where everybody's eyes goes. Okay, who's going to be the quarterback? Who's going to be this, that, or the other? Like, within those rooms, especially the wide receivers, defensive back rooms, like, you have needs within there, and you're starting to see – Illinois addressed those and Colin Dixon's a guy who does that. that was a really big get I mean it 
I remember he was visiting a game. He was still committed to Wisconsin, but it was after the coaching changed, and it was like, well, what's the deal here? Like, it was hard to – and then it just went, and it, and it picked up fast, and it closed fast, and they had him on campus for an official. That's why Brett Beal was mentioned several times in those things on a good note. Uh, and I think he, if I remember, I don't want to say this incorrectly, but I think at one point in the last two years that we've known him, I think he's indicated his mindset with that has probably changed from his younger time yes. as a head coach. And that maturity is is helping him bring some uh, some more talent into Champagne. It's what pays off with experience, Joey, of doing this job is you learn not to burn bridges, especially in recruiting, because you recruit until they sign. And Illinois found out that would the other way. Being an unstable program, you get picked apart, right? If a coaching change happens, you get picked apart. Now Illinois was here when Wisconsin, instability. It's not something we usually think of now. Enjoy that while you can because Luke Fickle's there, and I think he's going to do a very good job. But, yeah, he told me during the visit that if if Jim Leonard remained the coach, he might still be there. Um, Now I think Jim Leonard was going to let go of that entire offensive staff if he got the job, but kudos to Brett Beum and the staff for – not ending it on a sour note and say, oh, you're not going to do well there, right? Like after they commit and say, you're making a mistake or something like that. He's like, hey, something changes. Let me know. We'd love to have you. That's basically what the conversation is. And I kept the door open. And other schools came in. Northwestern was one of those. Not a great sell. He went to Northwestern the day Illinois crushed him 41-3. to So it only probably helped Illinois here. But Colin told me yesterday that with Illinois, he didn't have to wait until February to sign and risk maybe losing the Illinois thing. Um, He had some other schools come in for him, but he would have had to maybe spend more time visiting those programs, getting to know those coaches. He knew Illinois. He really liked Illinois. He just liked Wisconsin and that program a little bit better because it was a better program and it was a more proven program. Um, So Illinois hung around and and did a good job of getting that. And that's, that's kind of what we're seeing now with Roderick Pierce, Malik Elzey, right? Those things can come around, and when you have success, uh, some more doors open maybe up down the road. Yeah, Jeremy, that could very well be kind of the story of this recruiting class if Illinois is able to pull off what it's attempting to pull off. I remember that Zachary Toby was committed to North Carolina uh, early on in this process, and Illinois stuck around and, and kept that door open. So it's that's kind of the game, right? And it's just a matter of the timeline because – with the portal, the way that the portal is, you always kind of have to assume that you're going to get another chance at yes. somebody. Whether you do or don't, it remains to be seen. But you've got to, you've got to just think that that could happen. And in this case, you're not even getting the portal process of it. You're getting it earlier than that. But it's one of those things. It's it's changed it, man. And every coach should have that philosophy of you don't want to kind of crap on a kid on his way out the door. I mean, you and you know, recruiting kind of cutthroat jeremy but it's you got to keep those relationships going you are right it is more important than ever to know that in recruiting if i don't get them the first time around maybe this helps in a year or two or four years from now that (laughs) if if i want to leave a good impression of this kid because this could be important anytime uh during his college career so uh we've seen that pay off in the transfer portal as well 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of the transfer portal, Illinois lands its second transfer commitment in this class. Avery Jones, a center out of East Carolina University. He is a former four-star prospect who originally signed with North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. Told me he grew up a Tar Heels fan. Uh, He was a class of 2018 guy. He's got one more year of eligibility. He is a plug-and-play Center. He started three years at East Carolina, one at guard, the last two at center. His best seasons were last year, uh, certainly his best season, but actually his first year at East Carolina because then when he switched positions, he kind of struggled a little bit. Um, but you can turn on the tape, Joey. This is a guy that's 6'4", 290. I imagine he might add even a little bit more strength. But all the physical tools are there. He's experienced. He's played a, a decent level of competition in the AAC and uh, this fills a big need uh, for Illinois at center with Alex Pilstrom out the door. Uh, certainly need a veteran in there and a bigger presence probably than Josh Krutz. So this will be your starting center next year. He's going to come in January um, and uh, play right away with uh, and snapping the ball to whoever that quarterback's going to be. Do you love talking offensive linemen at like 925? Is that like the Jeremy Werner dream? Nothing sounds better than talking about who's going to start on the offensive line, which is one of my topics I want to get to. Uh, because it's this is a huge part of, of everything Illinois is. I know we want to talk about Malik Elzey. I know the quarterback is, is important, and we will talk about it. What has made this program good the last two years? It is the offensive line and a great, dominant defensive front. The secondary is awesome this year, probably the best part, but Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and Calvin Avery and all those guys were, were so important, but... Last two years, man, this has been a strength of Illinois. And with two of the additions they've made already, right, Desmond Schuster, who I don't even know if we put him in our starting five at this point, but you add Avery Jones to a group that's going to return Isaiah Adams, going to return Zy Chrysler. It's starting to look like it's going to be a strong unit again. Yeah, first let's start with the pitch to Avery Jones. Like, has Illinois turned into that come here and we will – like push you over the edge like is that their pitch will push you over the edge for your nfl dreams that is why he's coming to illinois that's exactly why do you want me to get the quote <laughs> yeah I do, I do so i mean i know i read it so maybe it was like subconsciously in my mind but that's the pitch right now at illinois is we're gonna get you as close as you know as, as far as you can take yourself we're gonna help get you there yeah and the pitch is pretty damn good right now i was looking for a program that's the next step to the nfl and that's what the that's what illinois has to offer definitely uh, coaching his connections with the NFL, his history of the NFL. So him bringing that knowledge to Illinois and running the program the same way 
uh, is what really drew me to Illinois. And then he he rattled off the Bielma has the second most draft picks of Power Five head coaches uh, on the <laughs> offensive line during his career. He mentioned the five All Big Ten offensive linemen. Yeah, it's a really strong pitch, and that's why. Even when you're thinking, oh, they're going to lose Julian Pearl and Alex Pilstrom, and you know Julian has a decision to make, but it seems like he's leaning towards the NFL. You're going to lose Alex Pauchewski, All-American, by the way. Kudos to Alex Pauchewski in his sixth year. Um, you have a. I was never worried about them landing offensive linemen because their pitch is awesome and they know it. <laughs> if you were wondering, like, hey, I wonder what Illinois' pitch is when they host these visitors, Jeremy just read it to you. Uh, Avery Jones read it to you. That's the pitch. You don't really need a lot more than that. And it's not just the last two years at Illinois. Bart Miller, Brett Bielema, they've done this uh, with some guys. Can, can we just talk real quick about, like we did with the wide receivers, the offensive line development? So uh, the additions, Jack Bedovinak for one year in 2021. Rocky start, really strong finish for him. Isaiah Adams, Zy Chrysler, Desmond Schuster have been your junior college additions to date. They're still working, obviously, on Keyshawn Blackstock. He's still in the conversation. You added Dylan Davis from the transfer portal. You added Avery Jones from the transfer portal. The class of 2022, Mountis Moeller, Hunter Whiteneck, Joey Oakla, Clayton Leonard, Matt Fries is in that class. He's elected to enter the transfer portal. Class of 2023, two, you and I think, Jeremy, two really nice in-state additions with Brandon Henderson, TJ McMillan, and then you go back out to Jersey and get Zachary Amland. They have completely changed this room. The Brett Bielma viral comments from a year and a half ago feel like forever ago because this is short-term additions and Avery Jones and Bedovinak, that middle term with the JUCOs, and then long-term with the preps. Like they, they've tiered this up, and this room was battered when they got there beyond the starters. Right. Like, there was a great group of starters. Really good group of starters that they got to work with. NFL guys. No depth. No depth whatsoever. That's what Brett Bielman was talking about. Because we've gone over this stat. Like, the class of 2020 is no longer there. Right? The class of 2019, the only guy left on the roster from that old line class is Evan Kurtz, and he's playing defensive line now. So you had two recruiting classes of nothing. And then you have a young class, and Josh Kruitz, um, who does everything right, I'm told. He's just, he's undersized. Like, he's undersized, and he's going to struggle against Big Ten defensive linemen, most likely. Zach Barlov is in the two deep. Josh Geske is a name to know. Potentially could compete for, for a starting spot and going to be probably one of their top eight offensive linemen next year. Those guys were signed after Lovey got fired, right? Never played for Lovey. The only guy left on this roster, assuming Julian Pearl leaves, that played for Lovey Smith is Jordan Slaughter on the offensive line. We're only two years away from that. And the only guy left is Jordan. The rest, now with Pilstrom, Palczewski gone, Julian Pearl potentially going pro, the rest are all Brett Bielma guys. That is. I mean, that's, that, when, I don't want to keep rehashing those comments because we, you and I both we can talk about the context of it all and how it's taken out. The, the point you're seeing like that get rectified. Like, I just think that's such a good starting point when you evaluate this offensive line room is from that point and everything you mentioned and all the context that goes around what he said to this point where Bart Miller has to feel like I can, I can get whoever I want and I'm going to have like 
I, I could probably talk coach and maybe give me an extra spot because this thing is moving. Yeah, we got to see how all these guys develop, but they're doing this on parallel tracks, right? They're like replenishing the current too deep with these transfers and Juco guys while also adding good uh, offensive line prospects. Now, last year's guys didn't have a lot of offers. Matt Fries had the most power five offers. The only other guy was Mountain Muller. Of course, that was a COVID class that wasn't able to go to these camps and all of that. We think Joey Oakle and Hunter Whiteneck are probably going to start games. Clayton Leonard just got the look team. Uh, offensive uh, player of the year. Uh, they are more encouraged with him than I think they thought they'd be at this point. Uh, and Mountis Moeller is a massive man. He's a massive man, big uh, mound of clay from Denmark. We'll see how that looks in a year or two, right? Uh, but yeah, this, me up in 24 on him. But this class, TJ McMillan had double-digit Power 5 offers. Zach Amlin had several, a handful or two of Power 5 offers. Brandon Henderson. Second uh, chance. Yeah, another second chance guy. Uh, was committed to Iowa State. Tom Manning no longer at Iowa State. You got you swayed a guy from Matt Campbell and, and Tom Manning. I thought said a lot because those guys are really good offensive line guys. Um, big Power Five offers, right? And then Desmond Schuster gets a Nebraska offer the day after uh, Illinois got his commitment. And now you had a guy in, in Avery Jones. Um, let's be honest, I think he's more talented than Alex Pilstrom, right? I, I, I watched the film and, and Alex Pilstrom had a great year. All Big Ten second team by coaches, phenomenal. One of my favorite guys to cover on this team, talk to on this team. A phenomenal story. Uh, this is a former four-star prospect you just added. I, this guy has a higher ceiling than Alex Pilstrom. I watched a little bit of his film, Joey. Uh, he's got everything you want in center, but I still think he can be better, even though he's a good uh, FBS center already. And I think that's what Illinois sees, is that they, they can make him even better. So I think this could be an upgrade at this position. Now, upgrading over Palczewski and Pearl is going to be difficult, but you think Zy Chrysler is going to be better. You think Isaiah Adams could be an NFL guy next year because he had 120 knockdowns this year, which is basically pancakes. It's a ridiculous number. I, I think he, at times, was the best offensive lineman on this team. That's a good three to start with. Jordan Slaughter, you know, can be a serviceable to good starter for you. And then you potentially add a Keyshawn Blackstock. Like, if you can land him or another Juco or another transfer offensive lineman who can start, and then Schuster is like your sixth guy, Joey. He's your Jordan Slaughter. Yeah, all of a sudden you're starting to have depth here. All of, like, And then you have Geske, who they think can play. Barlev, who they think they can play. Is Dylan Davis ready to play? White Neck did not redshirt this year. White Neck's a guy to watch. Is White Neck ready? Like, all of a sudden, you're starting to have a too deep of guys you feel like you can play in a Big Ten football game. Like, that's what we're starting to see. Yet the talent doesn't feel like it's dropping off, even if you lose a Pearl or a Palchette. That's what Wisconsin does every year. Yeah. Can Illinois be getting to that point? We'll have to see, but um, I'm not worried about this position with this staff. You know, and I think we learned our lesson last offseason when the questions that we had about the line were every bit of fair, right? You lose Vidarian Lowe, you lose Doug Kramer, you thought Alex Palczewski was out, and all those depth things, and then they turned around and had a pretty good season. They were semifinals for the Joe Moore Award. It was up and down, right? I mean, I don't think anyone would argue otherwise, but by and large, it was a pretty good season for the Illinois offensive line. Uh, so I think at that point, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't think we get to ask those questions anymore. I mean, if you want to think about it, that's fair. But I, I think as you watch this reload and 
And I know you've talked to Bart Miller about this and the junior college market and kind of the, the ripe uh, market that is for, for a coaching staff to get into. And it helps that the first two guys are, give you pretty good pitches. And uh, that's long-term, right? I mean, not in, you know, two-year guys there. So I, you know, eventually this is going to probably maybe be less transfer, you know, heavy, quote unquote, but it doesn't have to be. Nothing has to be anymore. Like, I think we've decided it doesn't have to be anymore. But the, the development there, Jeremy, the depth, uh, there, there could be eight, nine guys yeah. in spring ball, 10 yeah. guys where you're like, man, they, all right, that might be a chance there. I don't think you're going to be adding three transfers on the offensive line. Sure. You sure. know, like that's what they're doing this year. Uh, that probably won't happen in the future. But the fact, like, it, Blackstock is great. Like, I think he's a better prospect than Isaiah Adams, which is why he's got offers from. 45 schools Illinois was one of the first power five offers they got him on campus early um you know some other big time programs are, are in the mix for him I think USC just offered like he's taken a couple of visits Florida State uh I can't remember the others at the time I had Penn State was in the mix there South Carolina like some some big time programs right like so uh we'll see where that one ends up but Illinois has done a good job getting in there early but the fact that they've like negated to bring this full circle they've negated that issue that he got reamed about before the Penn State game like they have done a phenomenal job in the Juco and transfer portal and have had maintained good offensive lines after the good offensive line they inherited yeah and like think about the the Blackstock thing Jeremy because obviously Illinois would love to get him and he would be a great addition a year ago, he's like, uh, this line might be screwed without him. Like like Alex Palczewski's waiver, right? Like you, you would have had questions. You're without question a better offensive line with him. Like that should not be a conversation. You, with, with him, better offensive line. But there's not like fire in the room if you don't get him. Uh, and I just think that's how programs long-term go. And at no point am I trying to say like, if he doesn't commit to Illinois, that's just, eh. Yeah. whatever because that's a really talented football player i just think like it's just a factor of how time has changed in the course of a year where you have options like there are just options that's the best way i can put it there are options on the offensive line and it used to be my god what happens if one of those starters gets hurt like just one all right let's project this left tackle isaiah adams right depending probably on julian pearl yes I, i'm assuming pearl is gone because he's basically said it, right? Sure. Like now, now they're trying to convince him. I think he could gain something by coming back next year if they get Pearl back. Who boy? Um, but yes, right okay. now, if we're going to assume Pearl is gone, it's Isaiah Adams. Yes. Okay. Left guard. And quickly, because that helps his NFL. One, he's your best left tackle option, but that versatility is probably a pitch to him as well. That hey you're going to get a chance to show you have a full season of guard, full season of tackle tape. That's going to be a thumbs up from GMs to see that. Just yeah. a quick to interject right that. That's a big deal. Uh, center is Avery Jones. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guard spots. Would we put Jordan Slaughter as a definite? That, to me, depends on where Chrysler goes. Well, that's why I was going to say, Chrysler, I would plug in a guard, but too. who is the right tackle? That might depend on whether they land Blackstock. It might depend on, is Josh Gesky ready to be the guy? Um, what if Julian Pearl is back? 
Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> is, it Isaiah, is Isaiah Adams the right tackle in that case? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, and again, I, I, I know we're trying to set the stage that he's gone, but I'm just trying to work through yeah. all of these options. No, that's that's nice to have options. Zai Chrysler, can he move to tackle? I think he's a guard. Mm-hmm. So I would put Chrysler and Slaughter at guard with the potential, if you don't land a Juco or a transfer, which I think you will, that would probably be the tackle, other tackle. But then you have Geski, White Knack, probably in the competition at tackle. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when Chrysler committed, there was some thought like, hey, he could kick out to guard, or to tackle, rather. I think we, just the eye test, and we the coaching staff hasn't said this to us on the record or off the record, but I just think you and I, with the eye test, think that that probably didn't manifest maybe like like the thought would have. Yes. Uh, so guard seems like the spot for him. But if he can be serviceable at right tackle, right? You have Schuster. Schuster potentially could play guard. Or Schuster is not the like tallest guy, but his arms are the are the size like, of like the longest NFL long. tackle. Yeah, like yeah. his his arms are ridiculously long. Um, for anybody that knows, like an 82-inch wingspan on an offensive tackle is ridiculous. 37-inch arms. The biggest question about Peter Skaronsky, who's an unbelievable offensive lineman, right? He's going to be a top 15 pick most likely. But he's got 32-and-a-half-inch arms. So that just puts it into perspective. 37 for Desmond Schuster. He, but he's not getting here till June. My yeah. expectation, like, offensive line at quarterback, I think it's really important to get here earlier than most of the other ones. There's just a lot more um, rhythm things, timing things, um, you know, communication things, getting in the playbook, I think is really important. So that's why I just didn't name Schuster right away because I, it's not the same situation as Chrysler. And they got younger guys that provide more competition than in the past. Yeah. I and mean, quickly to have fun. How soon? We, we, Brett Bielman could actually talk about these guys in like nine days. I think yeah. it's the... Uh, the 21st how quickly into describing schuster does he bring up the arms and why is it the first two sentences it's <laughs> gonna say the first three words <laughs> yeah length <laughs> length or wingspan is gonna be the first sentence i'm sure it is gonna come up very quickly and, and jim we should also mention um you know zach barlow is a guy who i would have thought going into the year this year and i think was fair like of that class of 2021 he was the guy that you and i were probably like yeah, if any of those three, we, we would have to say him. And we, I think we see him probably as a guard. Yeah. Right? Like he, he, So now the need becomes either a tackle or can somebody kick out there and be serviceable enough? And, and you know, that, that's, that's the fascinating part of this puzzle. And again, to your point, two things just change that and make it moot. And that's either A, Julian Pearl returning, or B, Keyshawn Blackstock committing. Yeah. And if you get one of those, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how the puzzle shapes out. Like, that's yeah. just that's what it is. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Joey, let's talk about who's next. Uh, they just hosted uh, a couple other visitors as well. Um, we'll talk about transfer needs, and we will get to the quarterback question here. But Illinois is battling Michigan for two 
star recruits in state. And we did, remember, we did this in what, January or February, where you, me, and Ryan Easterling answered who's the most important guy in, in the in-state class. I think you and Ryan took Jair Hill, Malik Elzey, or Caden Fagan was one of them, and they, they landed him. I went, because you guys covered it, I went Roderick Pierce because I think he's really good. Chicago Brother Rice, three-star defensive lineman, number 12 in state, according to the composite, number nine, according to 24-7. Because he's really good. They gotten in early on him and huge position of need because we knew Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph wouldn't be here long, and we knew, kind of like the offensive line, there were a couple recruiting classes where defensive line wasn't addressed. Uh, wasn't addressed well. So Roderick Pierce to me was always a big one. All of a sudden, he commits to Wisconsin after Illinois felt like the leader the entire time. Quickly, Wisconsin offers, they close. I think it was just part about being the Wisconsin program. But now Illinois just had a great year. Michigan and Texas have offered. He hasn't visited Texas. He has taken official to Michigan. He's taken two official visits now uh, to Illinois. And he just took an official visit this weekend. I know our boy Sam Webb at Michigan Insider just put in a crystal ball with a confidence meter of six. From what I was told going into this visit, it was pretty close between those two, and there was some cautious optimism coming out of this one. I know the Malik Elsie Jire Hill are going to get a lot of attention. I think this Roderick Pierce one could be as big of a get as, as any in this class if they get him because of the things I talked about. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and because it did feel like in the summer – there was so much like that late spring, early summer, mid summer. There's so much traction. It felt like, and they had good vibes about where Illinois stood with that. We saw him at the basketball game on his official visit, Jeremy, on Saturday morning. Large individual, that guy. Uh, he, he what is, they uh, look I, like. I, I, that's the first time I had like seen him because you, you or Ryan. It's an easier logistically for you guys to go see some of the Chicago land kids. Uh, so that was the first time I had seen him in the flesh it's a large large gentleman man like he has a big guy and like second chance that's that's going to be the narrative of this class and this is a guy who second chance at a pretty significant position of need and whether that need pops up kick off 2023 or kick off 2024 that remains to be seen but depth and maybe immediate playing time is like that is a big deal here and he's be a lot of good good feelings for Illinois if they could pull that off and, and beat Michigan and get their guy in state and just a tough one. It's, it's going to be a tough one. Michigan sells awesome, right? I mean, back-to-back college football playoffs, NFL guys. Um, Big Ten champs. Big Ten champs, back-to-back years. Uh, the one thing going against them is the questions about Harbaugh. It feels like he's going to be mentioned every year is potentially leaving. So Illinois maybe can sell stability better than Michigan <laughs> right now, which is is weird to say. But, I, I mean, even Illinois fans have to admit, Michigan has a great sell right now. Um, but Illinois has had the relationship for way longer. Michigan just offered a couple months ago, just started the relationship. Illinois, Jameson has been in there the whole time. And what a bounce back this would be for Terrence Jameson, right? I mean, May – Defensive line recruiting looked bleak. And then they got Jamari and Harkless, and then they lost him. And I think Moragan and Alex Bray are good prospects, but Red, Roderick Pierce is a different level. Um, and I never expect defensive linemen to play their first year. He's a little bit more advanced technically, playing at Chicago Brother Rice, playing with really good coaches and really good talent. 
Um, and he's got great size already. He's got great athleticism. He's probably going to play the Johnny Newton role uh, if he came here in this defense. And Illinois has got a decent sell right now. So I know they're working him really, really hard. Be interesting to see where that one goes. Jair Hillman, it's been Illinois and Michigan for a year. And I'm just waiting for the decision at this point because you hear things, you hear this, you hear that. Uh, Michigan certainly, again, has a great sell. Jair's kept this one really close to the vest outside of wearing Illinois and Michigan gear uh, to a lot of different places. He's visited a lot of different places, but I can't read him. I can't read him. It would not surprise me if he went to Michigan. It would not surprise me if he went to Illinois. The one question here would be Ryan Walters. Is he back? Right? You'd love to have an answer for him there. I don't know if we'll have that until, what, maybe Purdue fills its vacancy here. Yeah, at some point, whether it's Illinois, whether it's Michigan, whether it's outside looking in school, somebody who covers one of these programs owes the readers an oral history of the Jair Hill recruitment because well, he won't, be the most he won't be quoted we've but, ever gotten out of the damn thing. He won't be quoted very often because uh, I've <laughs> talked to Jair several times. Um, I feel like he's a challenging interview. Um, and you know, he's a good kid from everything I've gathered, but it's like, he is a challenge. Like he doesn't say much, but yes, I would love for somebody to take me through what was actually going through his head. I don't think coaches know what is going through Jair Hill's head. So it's, it's kind of fascinating. This is not like, it's not even been a high drama recruitment to be honest. Like it's been actually the polar opposite. It's been, Hey, do you have, could you say anything, please? Is there anything you would like to share? And Hey, that's not a knock on the kid. If that's how you want to go about it, respect, good, good for you. Uh, but this has been a pretty, from the outside looking in, pretty quiet, pretty seamless operation, just waiting, literally just waiting for what it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, man, he's been, uh, this, these last three guys, really, these last three high school guys that we talk about, well, I know Molly Kelsey's next on our conversation list, I assume. Uh, it, this is, I mean, this, you're, you're fighting some real programs which I mean, which really good players. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to give Illinois fans like if you miss out on these two, like it's something great, right? Um I'm not trying to give you a moral victory here, but the fact that you're battling Michigan for two of the top 12 prospects down to the wire. This has not been the case for this program for a really long time. So the fact that like Jair Hill just didn't commit to Michigan in the spring or early fall or whatever after an official visit here, the fact that he's or several unofficials, by the way, like it's not like that's a, an uncharted place for him, dude. Yeah, I don't think he's come to Illinois nine times because he's just messing with Illinois, like no. screwing with them, right? Like I think he is very interested. Roderick Pierce, I don't think takes an official visit with his family if he knows he's definitely going to Michigan. I think he was giving Illinois a chance, and we'll see if they can land those two guys. Then Malik Elsey, man, since he since he decommitted from Cincinnati. From everything, from what I know, he's visited one place, one place, Illinois. He he didn't take his visit that he was going to take to Wisconsin and Luke Fickle, and he's committed to Fickle at Cincinnati. He's going to sign with somebody in December. He's going to announce it January seventh, the All America Bowl. And if I'm Illinois, I feel pretty good. Again, another one. I wouldn't call this one a high drama one either. No, There's a lot of weight. He committed. He decommitted. Then pretty much radio silence right and again the, the, i don't mean that as a knock but like for for four stars top in-state kids this has been pretty easy to follow on the outside looking in in terms of like not it doesn't appear to us like, like there's a lot of smoke screens or 
it's just kind of like, yeah, I'll let you, yeah. You know, I'll let you know when you know. And, and just, I mean, those three guys, Jeremy, in whatever combination, you want to go all three, one or three, two or three, it doesn't matter. That can change the perspective of this class or how people from the outside view this class um which matters it, like i i don't know I if mean, all yeah. those i don't know if all those guys will turn into stars but if you land one of them you get malik elzey or jire hill or roderick pierce that's a good headline to go along with Caden fagan if you land two of those it's been a long time since someone has gotten three of the top 12 in state pro i think it's more more in a decade um since you've gotten three of the top 10 prospects in the state if you get all four of those guys and you get four of the top 12 um we're starting to talk about a top 30 class nationally and we haven't even mentioned Keyshawn Blackstock's potential impact as a four-star prospect. Like all of a sudden you can show I'm Brett Bielema and I have the best recruiting class since Ron Zook's two five-star class in 2007. Like that's what, that's what is possible in these, these last couple of weeks. And, and most importantly, like they're really good football players. But if you can get guys like Pierce Hill and Elzey, all of a sudden more of those kids in Chicago are starting to pay attention. Because they know each other, they talk to each other. That's why in-state recruiting is is so important because it feeds off each other. Yeah, and, and I remember uh, I don't remember what we were doing. It must have been a basketball game, Jeremy. Um, yeah, it had to have been because we were at the State Farm Center and we were recording. Maybe after signing day when the Paltrow thing was still kind of. I think Brett Bielma threw a nugget out there, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, what in the world are you talking about?" I remember being at the State Farm Center with you, and and we talked about how twenty-two was kind of that. Hey, I'm Brett Bielema, nice to meet you. Uh, how fast can we get this party moving type of class? Because he had just been hired. His coaching staff had just been hired. And I remember saying, Jeremy, this class of 2023, and we talked about this, this has got some stars in it. And it's got some some headliners and guys who can who can change the perception and the trajectory potentially. Potentially. We, we've seen four stars not work out. But just perception and, and I, I, you know, good football players – of your program and to do that in year two like that's a quick statement from well, Brett Bielema from his coaching staff and like that that's also matters and it shows what you can do with two full years of recruiting that's right, right. and, and winning. Real, and one real year yeah and, and and winning as well right like George McDonald Blake told me this uh after his official visit in June George McDonald told him in January 2021 I'm going to recruit you until signing day and I'm going to work harder than anybody to land you. And he has done that. And we will find out after the break <laughs> if it happens, right? Like, so kudos to them. They, they made in-state recruiting a priority and it's, it's paying off. And this is where you really could see the exclamation points of that. All right. Can yeah, I go real ahead. Quick, if I, it, it cannot be understated. And this is probably a silly thing because I think it's just assumed eight and four made a lot of this. Like, to be sitting here on December 12th and talking about Illinois still fighting for some of these in-state guys, for Keyshawn Blackstock, to talk about the two commitments that they just received, eight and four mattered a whole heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. And and getting to this point where you're still fighting down the stretch going into signing day, like, that, that is a huge, huge deal. And the other thing, you know what they care about? They, they want to win. They care about NFL guys. Right, and then Avery Jones just told you that they can't sell it at, at wide receiver. They certainly can't at running back. They certainly can soon at defensive back uh, with three guys likely to get drafted, including one maybe in the first round. Uh, and they can do it soon in the defensive line. So like all of that stuff, all of that stuff matters. All right, transfer needs. They still got some other holes to fill. Tight end has been a big 
focus for them. Tanner Arkin out of Colorado State, redshirt freshman kid, looks the part, has played a little bit, uh, but they like him. Potential complimentary piece, can can catch the ball a little bit, block a little bit. Um, you know, they need somebody probably to fill in along with Tip Ryman with Luke Ford moving on and uh, Michael Marques out. Like They like Henry Boyer, I think, for next year to potentially play a role. Defensive line will be in need if Johnny Newton uh, or Keith Randolph or both decide to go pro. But cornerback has certainly been, uh, you know, cornerback and tight end now, and we'll get to the quarterback thing. Those after quarterback are the huge needs, it feels like, based on the offers they're throwing out. D-line seems like a wait-and-see thing right now. Because I can tell you, they're trying to get Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph back. NIL them. Is is the biggest? That's the biggest thing with maintaining a roster. We'll talk about it with Tommy DeVito, but these guys can come back and make a lot of money playing college football. So if you're a fourth or fifth rounder, or a seventh rounder, I'm sure they're talking about that with Julian Pearl. Like you can potentially make more money next year or as much and boost your draft stock for the long term coming back to play college football. Yeah, and boy, I, I long for the day before we get into this actual conversation that it doesn't have to be. We'll get to a quarterback in a second yeah. because that is a very it, it's stressful for us in the sense that it's just so quiet. Like, and I know you and I don't like being able to like not provide yeah. that information. Uh, but also, we also don't want to lie to anybody either and tell you. But at, at any rate, uh, the tight end is, is interesting, Jeremy, because I think you like to see them get somebody a little more dynamic like you know tip primer can block you know henry boyer like that's kind of the thing with him is he he can be a blocker and that's not to minimize the fact that they, they are capable pass catchers but i think if you could complement those this goes back to the wide receiver like within the room you pr- I, i'm speculating you'd probably want somebody who has a little bit is a little bit more dynamic as a pass catcher yeah because you didn't miss Daniel Barker as a blocker. You missed him as a pass catcher. You, you missed him oh, as yeah. somebody that the defense had to respect. I thought Marquise did a really solid job, like kind of underrated. I think he had the oh, most yeah. receiving yards out of a tight end or was close with Tip uh, this past year. I think Tip's got another level. I just think he needs more experience doing it. Uh, he's certainly not the guy I want going deep on those seam routes. He didn't seem comfortable this year with those things. But I, I like him on the rollouts. I like him across the middle. I, I think he can be really good at that. Jay Lehman thinks he can be an NFL player. Uh, so I'm not going to quibble with that. I think he's got the potential to be that. But, yeah, they need a more dynamic option there. And they had Nicario Harper to potentially, I think, play that Sidney Brown role. But they got one upperclassman in that secondary with Taz Nicholson. And while we saw Tyler Strain and while we saw Xavier Scott, they need more playable, ready-to-make-an-impact depth. And they got a heck of a sell with Devin Witherspoon and Tony Adams, right, the last couple years under this staff, becoming NFL players and obviously Nate Hobbs the years before, they can sell that a little bit, say, hey, he came through Illinois too. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think why not? Uh, you upgrade. You don't You don't just say, yeah, those guys played, so we're going to make them starters next year. No, you add competition. Because you don't want to be worse than 7-5 and five next year, 6-6 six and six at the minimum. Yeah, like where does that – so offensive line is the best pitch. I think right. Yeah. I mean, we just went on the whole spiel about it. So then you're running somewhere back, think, running back, and then some ordering of defensive line and defensive back, and you can quibble with however you want to order those two. But it's both a pretty good pitch. So DB probably too. I go DB. I, I go DB um, before. Or, 
first before defensive line. Like defensive line, yes. Okay, yeah. But you're right. not going to have a first or second round pick. I, Johnny, Johnny might have a chance if a team falls in love with him. But Devin Witherspoon should be a top 45 sure. pick, right? Like Sidney Brown and Quan Martin were all Big Ten. You know, Sidney, I think is I think an All-American PFF or something like that. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. But yeah, those yeah. guys are that caliber of guys. Johnny Newton's been that kind of guy too, but uh, I just think DB maybe a hair over D-line, but we're quibbling. That's a good sure, thing to yeah. And, and I think, and to the point that you made earlier about Jair Hill, it is hard to ignore the, hey, what's up with the coordinator uh, elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Especially when one the coordinator position, coaches one of those positions back there. Yeah, I'll hit on that real quick. Yeah, sure. you'd love that answer. You'd love that answer right now. I'm sure Brett Bielema wants that answer. Ryan earned this. Like, oh, it, absolutely. Yeah, that's not a knock yeah, on yeah, Ryan I, by any stretch. Like, I, I know fans are like, oh, just sign a new extension, whatever, and you can still sign, you know, do whatever. Ryan's earned this. Like, and he is clearly pursuing jobs, and he should, because you only get so many opportunities to do this. His star is hot right now with the Broyles Award. You never know uh, if it's going to be the same next year, all those different things. Um, but he interviewed obviously for Colorado. Sounds like he might be in the mix for Purdue. Like he earned those. Like and it sounds like maybe he's in the mix for other. I don't know. But like there's only four FBS jobs open, and they need to hire their coaches within days, right? So we should know within days uh, of where Ryan Walters will be. Yeah, and I, sure. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't want it to sound like oh this guy yeah. freaking Illinois can't do it because that's not the case. And, and you're right. He you do got to maximize those things. But I think once you get some clarity on that, uh, I would think that'll give you clarity on the recruiting trail too. And, and maybe if not like a massive hold up, but at least if you're a safety considering Illinois, you would wonder like, well, who's my position coach going to be? Yeah. And I don't even know if like it's transfers, if they have as big, because Aaron Henry's still there. Like you're still yes, probably yeah, running yeah. the same defense next year, just a different guy calling it, whether it's Kevin Kane or whoever. Right, like, outside higher, yeah. Yeah, like you're probably running something very, very similar with a good coaching staff and Brett Bielema there, so you can still answer some of those questions. But when you're Jair Hill, like Ryan Walters, probably going to take a head coaching job within the next two years, and you know that, right? But like Ryan Walters would be a big part of why you choose Illinois. These are, let's be honest, like these are good problems to have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the cornerback is probably the most fascinating for me because I think you add Harper, you have Matthew Bailey. Uh, I think you can answer some of your safety questions. I, I think you and I are of the belief Matthew Bailey starts at one of the safety positions next yes. year. And with Harper and uh, I think it's free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, dime, we saw him in the dime package. I think that's remember how Kendall Smith found his way to the free safety spot is by getting in on the dime package uh, in 2021. So, yeah, I, I, so I think you look at those two, and then it becomes, okay, how, you, you need another corner. You, you got a pretty darn good pitch in the portal for a corner, and then you probably need to ex- explore the slot, right? You, you need to explore the quadril, whether that ends up being Harper in the long run and that you find a new Sydney or, you know, whatever that looks like. Like, that's those are the two. You need a, a, a top number one corner, and you need a safety who could either be a strong or a slot. And I think that makes you breathe a little bit better. I'm laughing at us because we are doing the O-line chatter, the the safety chatter, the... Uh, and we haven't talked about the quarterback yet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's partly because 
we might be just, hey, keep listening to this pod. We'll eventually get to it. Like, there's maybe a tease part of that. We're doing our secrets. Someone has been screaming yes. in their car. Would you talk work? about Devin Leary <laughs> and Tommy DeVito? Um, and part Sorry. of it, part of it's because we don't have answers. Right, Brett Bielma is being very coy. I asked him directly about Tommy DeVito waiver. Uh, got kind of a yeah, we are, but I'm not going to comment on it specifically. Um, and then Andy Kimball from Decatur Herald Review, your old stop, asked him again, and he basically gave a non-answer about it. Uh, I don't think they want to give an answer because I don't know if they have an answer quite yet. But everything I hear is they would love to have Tommy DeVito back. They're pursuing a waiver. I think they should. I heard they should have clarity at quarterback sooner than later. So I don't know what that means. I don't know who their other options in the portal are. I know they are looking at options in the portal. Does that include Devin Leary? I do not know. He is familiar with Illinois, (laughs) obviously. I think it's a great pitch to Illinois. I'm sorry I don't have more answers for anybody, but anything like other than that, Joey... I think we're basically speculating, but if I had to pick right now, I I would say it's Tommy DeVito is the top preference, it seems like, and why would Tommy come back for seventh year college? NIL, probably, right? You can make really good money being a Big Ten starting quarterback, and we'll see if that's the other big conversation here is NIL, is how much can Illinois raise, how much can they divvy this out how do they divvy it out like with with whatever funds you have with whoever is operating it how do you find a way to to retain all this talent to get other talent and that's a big part of all of this right now with transfers and retaining talent but it's the biggest question of the offseason i think we should have an answer within the next couple of weeks but illinois has been very quiet about what they're doing here with the quarterback so let's break down why like I think that might be the question. Well, yeah. why won't Brett Bielema just say why you know, say what they're doing? Well, because if you stand in a microphone and every time Brett Bielema talks, there's a microphone around. Uh, eight out of ten times, <laughs> there's a microphone around when Brett Bielema talks, and you say into a camera, "Yes, we're pursuing another a waiver for an additional year of Tommy DeVito." Ex coach who is recruiting ex transfer portal quarterback is calling that quarterback and saying yo, what's going on over there? Like, are you even their top priority? They're trying to get their guy back. And this game moves very quickly. And Quarterback especially, yeah. Yes, musical chairs is thrown around a lot, and it is the literal perfect way to describe this. So, like, every quarterback that enters a portal gives another team a quarter. Like, it's a trickle-down effect, right? And and your powerhouses are going to be able to pick and choose who they want, and, and then it falls down from there. But that's why. Like, if you're frustrated that Brett Bielma won't sit there and, and give a straight answer in front of a camera, that's why. And then you run the risk on the other side of the NCAA saying, dude, you've done this six times. No. Like, that's the end. And then all of a sudden, everybody thought for two months or whatever the case, two weeks, Tommy DeVito was coming back. And then, like, it's yeah. just not really in good practice to start putting your waiver inquiries out in front of everybody because there's a lot of variance there. Yeah, and I feel like I need to whiteboard. I don't want to bog this podcast down with all of it, but basically the Tommy DeVito waiver would be the same as the Alex Palczewski one. And that, that was a trial bloom with Michael Marques. Marques got it, so then they did it with Palczewski. Palczewski got it. And now 
you do it with DeVito, see if DeVito can get it, because he's he'd be the top option. I, I know Devin Leary was an NFL draft prospect coming in here, but Tommy DeVito's been in the system. He was really good for you. Like he's healthy. A whole room <laughs> believes in this guy, by yeah. the way. Like a whole locker room believes in him. Yeah, and, and, and not to say they wouldn't believe in it and transfer, but like there's comfort in seeing your guy run out there for a second year if you can make that possible and i don't know if devin leary wants to be here like i don't know that so like everyone's saying well you gotta take leary if you if you don't if if you don't know on devito do we know that no i don't know that like i I don't know that today of whether it's like one this option or this option i gotta choose now i think brett bieland knows what he's doing um and i was told this as well joe is if you if you found out the quarterback was in the portal through twitter it's too late (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, and, and, and here, here's my thing whatever happens with DeVito whatever happens with Lee or whatever there are too many talented quarterbacks experienced quarterbacks for Illinois not to land a competent power five quarterback like the fact that you know we mentioned his name Brett Gabbert went back to Miami Ohio he would have loved to play at Illinois I think he would have been an okay option like a solid option for them like the fact that he went back to Miami Ohio I think tells you how limited those starting spots are and how wanted a spot like Illinois is. Like, I don't think they're going to end up with nothing here. <laughs> like, that's my point. Yeah, your pitch is, hey, we're waiting for you playing the Big Ten. Come be a starting quarterback for us. Your phone will ring. Our offense has has evolved out of the Stone Age. We throw the ball around here. And I think they might throw it more here. without Chase Brown here. Yes. So... And the other, and I know this has been a conversation, so if you're listening to this, and if you're still around and you haven't screamed so much that we had waited an hour to talk about the quarterback situation. Do you think people are upset think, that we didn't name, like, a name? Like, this guy's the guy. There's no question. We <laughs> waited an hour and we don't even have a freaking name. Somebody said that. Maybe they even walked into work with their headphones on. We are not going to be well-liked after this, Jeremy. Um, but if you're thinking, hey, how do they balance this? Because... It's, Quarterback recruiting is time-sensitive. Uh, the NCAA doesn't always work in the parameters of of efficient time, like timeline. Yeah. And then you still have the whole, well, does Tommy DeVito want to play quarterback for a seventh year? I get it. Every last one of those questions is very, very fair. And you and I are wondering the same. Like, how does this work here? Because there's a lot of moving parts. I will tell you, take a breath. Like, Brett Bielma has been around the block. He's coached college football for a while. They, this guy has a plan for backdrops that his guys like stand in front of. There is a plan. There's an A, B, C. Like this, I get it, and it's stressful because there's not a lot of information. Yeah, but I think this coaching staff has probably earned the value of trust to figure this out. And, and I, don't, I wouldn't say like blindly believe or blindly follow everything because you've got to question coaches. Like that's yeah. our job. It's it's fans have that, but I think with this, like, take a breath and just remember, like, where this has come and and how detailed Brett is in his planning. Yeah, they've earned a little bit of that trust, right? Uh, that they know what they're doing, and like, they got multiple irons in the fire. Um, it'll be interesting. They got two more potential weekends of official visits. I can tell you, getting a guy here in January is really important again, right? Because right now they have Donovan Larry. And Kirkland Michaud. Because Art Sikowski is becoming, sounds like he's becoming Coach Sikowski, which which we all expected. And he's going to be fantastic in that role. Uh, but if DeVito is not the guy coming back, 
you got Leary and Michaud as your quarterbacks next year with some walk-ons, right? And, uh, well, Cal Swanson will be in the And Cal Swanson, yeah, in January. And the plan isn't to play those guys as starters next year, right? So they do want to get a guy in January. I can tell you that for sure. So we should know in the next two weeks. We'll have all these yeah. answers. But he, here's the thing, it, like, we, the we, demand we, for, like, just, just take people behind the curtains. Sometimes there's such demand for news and so little information that there's a lot of speculation. I get it. I We're thinking about the same stuff. But sometimes, like, guys in our situation have to say what we don't know. I feel like more more times people should say what they don't know. And I don't think a lot of people know <laughs> what is happening with the quarterback. No, let's be honest. I would guess very few people know what's happening with the quarterback. Like, the coaching staff is keeping this very quiet, very intentionally. Um, and they seem they, they do seem confident. They do seem confident. Sure. So now I, I do. I want to ask because we've seen a spring play out like this. Hello, Cam Thomas uh, in 2018. 18, I think it would have been. Um, 19. 2018 18. It would have been spring. The spring of 18. Would you consider it a? I don't want to say a lost spring. That's such a hot take. Uh, but if you don't have your quarterback in there by spring ball it's not lost but it feels incomplete doesn't it yeah it'd be a huge missed opportunity i don't think they plan on doing that um but say that happened that they don't get a transfer in here um by spring and you gotta remember even if it was Devin leary he's not probably playing in the spring because of his injury they got brandon peters here in may they got aj bush here in may june right so it's still not the end of the world. A veteran quarterback can still do it. Um, but to wrap this all up, I think they will get a capable Power 5 transfer probably, or a guy that that can play at the Power 5 level. And I think they'll be here in June, January. Uh, or they'll have Tommy DeVito at quarterback. If I would have told you a year ago that that would be the case, uh, I guess a year ago we didn't really even know Tommy DeVito was – yeah, we did. On the radar. Yeah, we did know Tommy it, DeVito by this time. He was committed by this time. Yeah. Was it really? I remember seeing him at a football game. It's like, who's this cat? And uh turns out it was him. Or not a football, basketball game. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah. It, it, we said this after Northwestern, Jeremy. I think it was. This thing's going to be wrapped up soon. Um, it's just going to might be one of those things where it's like, Illinois was in on that guy or, or that. Happened. Like, there, there's going to be an element of, I don't know, maybe not an element of surprise if you get a waiver for Tommy, but it's just, I, I don't know, there's going to be a big grand parade, like, hey, expect this, because, they'll, you know, follow the visits probably isn't going to apply. They should make a this. TV show about it. Like, how many, like, <laughs> people would Would Matt Leiner be the host? Would Matt Leiner, <laughs> he's a handsome devil, I bet he could be the host of, like, uh, the, that, that'd be a good show. That'd yeah, be just a really good show. Quarterback musical chairs. Like, they can actually just during the show, like, it's a reality show of all these coaches meeting with uh, the transfer quarterbacks. Like, can you imagine that show of, like, Caleb Williams last year? Every, dude, everybody. Oh. The, the, the ratings would be unbelievable. Be fantastic. Unbelievable. Be fantastic. Now, I, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of problematic like, elements to that. Uh, but the ratings would be unbelievable for that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. That would be really fun. But the, the point being, transfers in general, Jeremy, run quiet. Uh, this isn't this isn't high school. They, they've kind of played that game before. This is a very business-like uh, operation. And Brett Bielema has shown that he understands when, you know, you want to kind of 
hey, we got X number of official visitors. This, you know, he, he, he doesn't make secret, uh, at least on social media, the, the retweets and the whole operation. Transfers run quieter. And, and Brett Bielma enjoys the secrecy of some of that stuff because if if someone from the staff follows or there are crazy people on this podcast uh who, who will check twitter follows and like it's just it's very calculated in how they do things so it's just gonna be interesting but maybe it'll be done in the next i don't know what, what, what do you think what is so like by christmas uh by the end of like all right so they can host official visitors this weekend they can host official visitors january 4th through the 8th so so by January eighth, yeah. this is over. Yeah, we should know by then. I would imagine hey, if earlier. You guys can but... Hang out another twenty four days. I mean, that's not right. That math isn't right. Don't call me on that. At the end of the day, Joey, this class has chance to be pretty darn good. They're number forty two in the country right now. Right now, number six in the Big Ten. All those numbers will change, but this probably is going to be the best recruiting class Illinois has had at least since fifteen, potentially since nine or ten. Um, so, and, and we'll break down signing day, like what we think of this, these individuals in the class, but they got a chance to really end this class on a high note. They do. And, and I I don't remember, maybe I just selectively quit remembering things, Jeremy. Um, was it? Was welcome it this welcome many... to your thirties, Joe. <laughs> Dude, I just had a cup of hot tea and I have a freaking essential oil diffuser. I've passed my thirties. Right, we are we are cruising much later than that. You are a domesticated um, animal now, Joe. Yeah. Uh, with this many, I remember uh, Gabe Ackes was a signing day guy, but I don't remember this much going down to the wire a year ago. Do you? Or am I just well? Remember we had the that? Cody Jones potential flip last year. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. Which yeah. was which was a little intrigue. Yeah, it's been a while. Like less kids are doing the signing day thing. Um, you know, Shimon Cooper was in a January, from what I remember. Seth Coleman was a potential flip to Utah. Keith Randolph, Florida State was all over yeah. him, if I remember. That correctly. was a signing day thing. Uh so yeah, usually they end up being pretty good. <laughs> guys Johnny Newton was a, a late in the process yes. flip as well for, for Lovey and his staff, and that really paid off. And, and hold on to Keith Randolph and Seth Coleman paid off. The late ones have been pretty good, whether it's a late find or a late flip or, uh, you know, all these things have been pretty good uh, for Illinois. As for bull opt-outs, draft decisions, we'll have to find those out. I would be surprised if Devin Witherspoon participated in the bowl game. And it sounds like Sidney Brown. Um might be a guy who who might not like all those things can change. We'll find out here. Uh, we'll ask Brett Bielema again. He he didn't really give us any insight, but sounds like those two guys are capable. Like Chase Brown, um, couldn't blame him, but he does have a record to play for. Go get fifty and take a seat on on the bench, man. Fifty six. He needs fifty six. Fifty six. Yeah. So get fifty six. Yeah. And then that field get fifty six. And see if Josh McCray. That'd be a long time since he could play. Uh, Keep his let record. him go up. You, you know, Brett Bielma talked about. God, we I've really continued this conversation for too long. That like it's a cap. That it epitomizes everything he said. Like the cap, the record on twenty twenty two and springboard yeah. to twenty twenty three is get Josh McCray some some valuable touches and yards. I to me that's the ideal situation, and you get Reggie Love some carries in that as well. And you don't burn any red shirts in the process. There you go. What a world. There you go, Joey. I wanted to go forty minutes, but you and I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot do it. There's too much to talk about. So hopefully people. I'm glad liked I it. didn't take mel. I thought about taking melatonin before uh, we got on here, and that would have really sent this thing into a 
a an, tailspin here after ten. An actual snore on the pod would have been would have been fun. Like I would have literally like, talked to you to sleep. That would have been probably it sounds probably it right. truly sounds charming to me. <laughs> you just put I our guess. pod in afterwards, and I'm just <laughs> lulling you to sleep with my takes on the offensive line. Somebody oh, probably God. actually does that. Poor wife. Oh, I'm telling you, we lost people a half hour ago. Well, they missed the quarterback. The huge quarterback information we just dropped. (laughs) Oh, we laugh, but we're sorry we don't have more information. It'll come out sooner or later. All right, Joey Wagner. Thank you, buddy. All right, man. See you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. We'll have plenty up. I got more of Avery Jones, the ECU transfer, coming up as well. Um, and we just got a busy, busy December. No off seasons for the Illinois football beat. And of course, we got everything going on with Illinois basketball after Brad Underwood's classic, classic press conference. Uh, give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. Again, follow us on YouTube. Hit the like button, subscribe, and check out everything at Alana Inquire. Everybody have a great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquire podcast. Bye, everybody.